Kevin Durant carries the Nets with a masterful fourth quarter performance. The NBA makes changes to the health and safety protocols, and we take stock of the MVP race all on today's Friday edition of Locked on NBA. You are Locked on NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On NBA. Got a great show for you today. I'm Wes Goldberg here with Tony East. However, you may be listening on YouTube, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the descriptions you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on the ones that you want to keep. All right, let's jump right in, Tony. The Nets with just Nine available players got out to an early 20-point lead against the Sixers, but the Sixers battled back in the third and fourth quarters. Joel Embiid's jumper ties the game at 101 with three minutes left, but then Kevin Durant does what Kevin Durant does, leads an 11-2 run to close the game, including back-to-back jumpers, an assist to Blake Griffin, and then this insane falling-away baseline jumper for the dagger that only Durant would have any business taking. The Nets win 114-105. to Durant finishes with 34 points on 13 of 24 shooting, 11 rebounds, and 8 assists, outdueling Joel Embiid, who finished with 32 points and 9 rebounds. The Nets did it without James Harden, still in protocols, and of course without Kyrie Irving. Uh, they were also missing other key players like Bruce Brown. So uh, just upping KD's performance tonight, the Nets now have won four straight, and 99.9% of that credit has to go t- to KD. What else can you say about Durant at this point? Yeah, leads the league in 20-plus point games, which isn't a surprising stat at all, but every game he has to carry this team in some way because, like you mentioned, they have so many guys in COVID protocols. Langston Galloway, they just signed yesterday, was playing for them for nine minutes today. They signed two other guys right after the game. And yet, no matter who's playing, Kevin Durant can lead this Nets team to victory, even against other good teams with MVP candidates in Joel Embiid. He's been absolutely unbelievable scoring the ball this season. Durability has been really good. And eight assists, too. Like, he's the connective tissue for the Nets and the best scorer in the NBA. Still has been for a while. He's just unbelievable. And this was another game where he shows that he's still one of, if not the best scorers in the league right now. Uh, I saw the NBA uh, Network broadcast afterwards asking the question, is Brooklyn asking Kevin Durant to carry too much of the load right now? And I think the answer is pretty obvious. They don't really have another option. James Harden's not there. Kyrie Irving's doing Kyrie Irving things. It's all about Kevin Durant right now. And by the way, Kevin Durant went to Brooklyn for this. I know he went to Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving. Eventually, and It didn't take long after that for them to acquire James Harden. But Durant wanted his team, his stage, his moment. And he's got that now, right? There is an ownership about that that he has on that organization, a sense of ownership that he has that he just didn't have in Golden State. Uh, and, and now you're sort of seeing this opportunity for him. I mean, yeah, there's a lot on his shoulders right now, but isn't that what you ask of the best player in the league? And if Kevin Durant wants the title of best player in the league, I'm not saying he doesn't want it. This is more of a criticism of you know a media question than it is Kevin Durant because he's obviously owning it right now. But this is how you become the guy who is considered the best player in the league, which is something that has sort of eluded Kevin Durant, I think, from the national media landscape. Yeah, I understand why the question is coming about because even earlier this week when they played Toronto, he played 48 minutes and 11 seconds in that game, right? They they had to to play a team. They needed eight guys to play, and he played almost the entire game, Sands, a small portion uh, at the in the overtime period or before the overtime period, whatever. 
He's playing so much because he has to, and right, that's kind of where the onus of the question is from is, is Kevin Durant a guy who missed the entire seasons early in his career with foot injuries, a guy that you want to be leaning on that much? That's where the Nets would say, no, we don't want to do this. But like you said, they literally have to. Like they have so many guys out. Harden is not the guy he was last year after recovering from his injury. And he's gotten better, um, but they don't have Irving, right? They just, and even the guys they've added, Aldridge, you know, Blake Griffin, they're good players, but they're not necessarily ball handlers who can take the load off of Durant anyway. So even when they do have a healthy team, he still has to do a lot. So, I think that question is kind of loaded because the Nets don't have other options. It basically has to be Kevin Durant leading that team or they have no other way of being the team that they want to be. A little bit of officiating drama at the end of this game with three seconds left and the game is over. Sixers down by nine. Doc Rivers calls maybe the most annoying timeout in (laughs) NBA history. To make a point, he walks out to the center of the court holding up a big zero to the three referees on the court, referring to the number of fouls that uh, on Brooklyn in that fourth quarter. Uh, do you think Doc had a point in doing all yeah, of this? He, he, he thought Embiid got fouled on all three, I believe, of his final three touches in this game, and those were the, the key possessions where this game got away. And Embiid still took 11 free throws, but yeah, he's right. No fouls called uh, on the on the Nets in the entire fourth quarter of this basketball game. It's pretty crazy to think that way. He might have a case, you know, Embiid get... The thing about Embiid is he's just so strong that sometimes fouls that would be obvious on other players, he just tries to play right through him or tries to get a bucket. So he might have a case for a few of them. But, uh, you know, if you want to sell the contact and not get the bucket, that's that's your prerogative. But that's not going to help your team necessarily. So uh, does he have a case? Maybe zero fouls in a whole quarter is uh, is certainly something for a 76ers team and a Joel Embiid player that is so good at getting to the line and so talented in that way. And But I think his frustration is magnified when they, like you said, less than two minutes to go were tied up and let the game completely get away from that point on. Joel Embiid was complaining a lot. Uh, he went about I don't I'm know, five or six that. feet away from the <laughs> five or six feet away from the basket. Uh, posted up Blake Griffin, turned around, hit a shot right over him, uh, and then was asking the refs like, "Where's the foul? Where's the foul? foul? He hit my elbow." I saw the play, man. Blake Griffin was vertical, man. He didn't move. He didn't intrude in your space. He barely grazed your elbow. That's not a foul in today's game. I don't know, man. Enough with the call. Like you lost by nine points. Kevin Durant did Kevin Durant things. I don't know, man. I just, I don't get it. That was that was an annoying timeout. No place for that. Uh, let's go to the blow it up bowl in Indianapolis where the Pacers <laughs> beat the Pistons 122 to 113. They get 31 points from Karis LeVert, who, hey, welcome to the NBA. Just decided to join this NBA season. Detroit got out to an early 10-point lead, but the Pacers steadily got back in it, pulled away, leading by as many as 15 in the fourth quarter. Indiana has now won four of their last six, Tony. Uh, how have the Pacers responded to these reports that we all know about that the front office is open to trading some of its top players? Yeah, I've been around this team all season, so I can respond to that pretty well. Uh, don't check who played for the Bucks, but if you look at that four of their last six, their two losses are the Warriors <laughs> and Bucks, right? So you can even say, what a nice stretch for a team that has every off-court distraction reason to fold at this time. They've actually been playing some of their best basketball of the season, including Levert, who's been the subject of a lot of these talks. But they've all responded, I think, about as well as a team can. And I, th- I think that the word rebuild has kind of changed the calculus of the Pacers incorrectly because it's more likely to be, like we know from the history of Indiana, and their goals are retooling. So a lot of guys can be a little more confident that maybe the team will be good later in the year, maybe they'll be a part of a good team. And, you know, they don't know who's going to be involved. They don't know if they're even going to get dealt at this point. It's only been 30 games. It's not even Christmas yet. It's really hard to rationalize that when you've played 31 games already, but it's not even Christmas yet. So no one really knows where this is going, but the team is responding 
uh, well, at least in media quotes and on the court. Like you said, they've won four of six and are looking like they're playing the best they have all season. And it's weird that they have to celebrate a win over the Pistons, but when you're 13 and 18, you'll take a win over everybody. And they started off on this game, but completely rolled for the last about 42 minutes of this game. So Pacers in this game looked like the team that everybody expected them to be before the season that no one thought would be in trade rumors, but here they are. Uh, Joel Embiid was not just critical of the officials, going back to some Sixers stuff, and critical of the NBA's handling of the virus this season. And the Lakers add yet another player who is over 30 years old to their old roster here. Uh, but first, let's talk about our friends at Truebill. Uh, do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. True, uh, Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there for you when you need them to cancel those unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to make that phone call. Truebill has over 2 million users and helped save them over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands of dollars a year. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, so please do subscribe and make your second listen. You can make it my podcast, Locked On Heat, Tony's podcast, Locked On Pacers, or any of the podcasts to get more on some of the recaps that we are covering here today. Let's go straight into Knicks Rockets. The Knicks have been busy trying to recapture that magic of last season's playoff run, and part of that is getting Julius Randle going offensively. Tonight, Randle scored 31 points in or uh, well, in, on Tuesday's loss, he scored 31 points in that loss to the Warriors, and the Knicks wanted to build on that tonight against the Rockets. Randall was solid. He scored 21 points on 6-for-18 shooting, but it was Evan Fournier heating up with 23 points and Emmanuel quickly scoring 15 of his 24 in the fourth that helped New York pull away with a 116-103 to win over the Rockets. And the Suns dismantled the Wizards 118-98 to in a complete effort that included eight players scoring in double digits, most importantly, they got some rest for Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, and Mikal Bridges, who all watched most of that fourth quarter because it was a blowout. Phoenix is again tied with Golden State for the best record in the league, Tony. Yeah, Phoenix looks awesome. Uh, good to get Chris Paul some some rest, although when he is playing, he's looked unreal this season. Still the only guy in the league averaging over 10 assists per game, which in, in the league, it's weird that there's only one guy doing that, but he's he's been wonderful, wonderful keeping the Suns team glued together. On the Wizards side, a lot of slippage for this team in the last month or so. I mean, I think five wins in the last calendar month, and they're getting, I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie didn't play. It was a back-to-back. They played Sacramento last night, but they are getting no production from the point guard position. I actually mentioned this on Lockdown NBA literally yesterday because it's something that <laughs> continues to befall this team. Aaron Holiday can score a little bit, only one assist from their starting point guard, Howell Neto off the bench, only three assists for him, and those two guys combined shoot 10 for 21. That's not terrible, but you need a little bit more in terms of running your offense in general from that position, especially when, when Beal doesn't have you know, and Beal did play pretty well in this game, but if Beal doesn't have it perfect, you're relying a lot on a dead position. Like in the end of the fourth quarter, even the middle of the fourth quarter, Montrez Harrell brought it up more than one time. That's kind of emblematic of this team's point guard situation that they count on him to bring it up. 
Yeah, that's well said. And Bradley Beal, 26 points on this in this game. That's you know right about where you expect Bradley Beal to be. But it feels like the shine on this supporting cast that was getting so much shine earlier in the season is starting to wear off a little bit. Um, our final game of the night was supposed to be Bulls-Raptors, but that game was postponed due to COVID-19 outbreak within the Bulls organization, who have 10 players now in health and safety protocol. Wow. Chicago also had their game against the Pistons postponed earlier this week. But this hasn't just been limited to the Bulls, as more than 60 players have been placed in protocols this season, including 52 this month alone. And it felt like Shams and Woj were reporting most of them throughout the afternoon on Thursday. Uh, And then also on Thursday, so the NBA and Players Union agree on increased protocols, including daily testing through the holidays, really until January 8th. Uh, a nice little runway after after New Year's and use of masks at all times for vaccinated and unvaccinated players, coaches and personnel. Clearly, this is the right thing to do now, right, to enhance protections. But according to Joel Embiid, it might be too late. Joel Embiid telling reporters after the game that last season felt much more professional compared to this season, which he feels is, quote, all over the place. Uh, do you agree with Joel Embiid? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, the, and I get why players feel like this season's been less professional because, and I get why the NBA did this, but they had different rules for vaccinated and unvaccinated players. So things always just feel chaotic. Like if you don't have practice, you don't have to get tested that day. So like sometimes teams are like kind of skirting around that a little bit in their ways too. Whereas last year, daily testing multiple times a day on a rigid system, everybody's coming in. So especially around the holidays when this stuff ramps up and that's why the NBA had this emphasis I think from the release from Christmas to New Year's which is why it's the 26th through the 8th I mean it's bound to spike up again and getting more serious about it certainly a good step from the NBA given how this is going like again the Bulls had to postpone games sounds like the Kings might be headed that direction they've had a lot of um, health and safety pop-ups recently the Lakers have a ton they just the Lakers even signed an Isaiah Thomas Uh, we'll get to that in a second but like all this is popping up to the extent that teams have to add players to play a game not to like, you know, not not just for hardship. Not stuff. trying like to enhance the play. roster, right? Yeah. yeah. It, so it's not a tweak of a roster; it's to have a roster. So they definitely needed to step in and do something. And this is this is something. You know, a lot more testing will definitely help, especially around a a time where it, it will be a little more prevalent in the in the country. So uh, I think this is a good step by the NBA. It's the right step by the NBA. I'm not sure I agree with Joel Embiid. Look, I'm not. I'm not in locker rooms because we as media are not allowed in the locker rooms this season. Um, but we're around teams. We're around personnel. We hear this stuff. We understand that it's been a little bit more lax. You know, the head coach doesn't have to wear the mask on the sideline anymore, which is something they got rid of at the end of last year. But um, you, you mentioned some of the differences between vaccinated and unvaccinated players. But it, we're, it's a little playing the results right now for, I think, Joel Embiid to say that because I one of the that. reasons why the NBA – had two separate rules for vaccinated and unvaccinated players just because they wanted to encourage players to get vaccinated. Hey, get vaccinated. You don't have to do the daily testing that was so arduous last year. It was such a pain last year. How many times did you hear players and uh, coaches and personnel just to complain about the constant testing? I think everybody understood it was the right thing to do, but I can only imagine having a thing stuck up your nose twice, three times a day, every day for an entire season. Like, it's not fun. So um, it's a little play in the results here. And I, I do feel like right now, the reason why, like at least according to those reports, right, one of the reasons why we're seeing so many people entered in health and safety protocols is because the NBA is saying, hey, it's a holiday season. Let's be a little bit more careful with Omicron vi- uh, variant surging across the country right now. Let's just be let's just be a little bit more careful, even if, you know, uh, a false positive, whatever you're going on health and safety protocols. We're not taking any chances. 
Um, the other the thing with Embiid oh, too, sorry. The other thing with Embiid is considering the source, right? Remember how serious he was about it before the bubble, joking about the hazmat suit kind of stuff, right? Like he has taken it pretty seriously this whole time. So I understand why he might toe a much harder line than other players do, mm-hmm. but in saying unprofessional, which maybe that's too extreme of a word for most other players in the league, but I understand why why he of all people would say that. The Lakers were hit hard Thursday, having four players placed in protocols, including Russell Westbrook. Uh, L.A. expects to be granted the hardship exception with all these uh, missed players. They're obviously dealing with plenty of injuries as well. Um, And with that hardship exception, if granted, they are going to use that to sign our old friend, and I mean old, Isaiah Thomas. He's 32 years old. He did just hang 42 points in his G League debut this week, Tony. Is this a good move for the Lakers? I, so let me tell you about that game. They played the Pacers G League affiliate team. So I actually watched the first half of that game. Isaiah <laughs> Thomas was shooting. It felt like almost every possession for the Grand Rapids Gold. Isaiah Thomas and Lance Stevenson on the same G League team was comedy Wednesday night. Let me tell you, it's free to watch on the G League website if, you got, if you've got some time coming up this week. I think it's a fine move. I mean, IT had certainly some nice games for the Pels in his very brief stint in the NBA last season. I mean, his stats were not glamorous. He also had some bad games for the Pels last year, but it scored in double figures twice. Like maybe he can help this, this Lakers team, but the, it's funny because it's the Lakers that they signed the big name guy, right? Who knows how much he can actually help them. But right. you know, they've also had Kendrick Nunn out all season. Like if, if Russ misses time, they need a point guard pretty badly. So it seems like a good fit for what they need anyway. So I don't know how good he can be. Uh, a G league game doesn't mean anything to me, but uh, perhaps right. he can help them in ways beyond just hardship exception. They actually need point guard play. Happy for Isaiah Thomas, the person, obviously, by all accounts, he's one of the best guys in the league, so that's great for him. Uh, you're right, 42 points in the G League. It could have been 82 points in the G League. I don't care. <laughs> right. I just don't care. Um, uh, yeah, look, it's it's the perfect Laker, right? Big name. <laughs> might be able to score every once in a while. Like once a week could go off maybe, and – for sure is not going to play any defense. So for them, it's perfect. Um, Did Kevin Durant's performance Thursday night elevate him to the front of the MVP race? We'll talk about that next. But first, let's talk about our friends at Built Bar. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. With so many flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter brownie? Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to knock down your holiday shopping. Throw one uh, in your jacket or your purse. You never know when you might need it. And because it is the season, tell Santa to throw a few Built Bars in those stockings. Cozy up with a Built Bar and hot chocolate by the fire for a late night snack. Uh, do you like some of those marshmallow treats around the holidays? You need to get your hands on the new Built Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, marshmallowy through and through. Get them now before they run out. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you're going to get 15% off on your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered for all the season's props, odds, and lines more than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all of your sports action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKED ON. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all these amazing offers available for this season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. It's BetOnline, where the game starts. 
All right, every Friday here on Locked On NBA, we count down to the weekend, and today we have our top five MVP candidates. We'll get to the leader in a moment, but Tony, I think you'll be surprised by the guy I have in fifth. Are you ready? I am always ready for your opinions, Wes Goldberg. <laughs> I've got, I think you're going to be surprised. I've got Rudy Gobert at number five here, and I'm not trying to make nice with our boss, David Locke, here. I really, <laughs> truly believe... Gobert should be fifth in the MVP race. Here's why. He leads the NBA in rebounding, which is an okay stat. He's fourth in blocks, which is fine. All stuff that we are accustomed uh, to having with Rudy Gobert. Uh, Offensively, he's shooting an insane 74% uh, overall. His at-the-rim numbers are just bananas. uh, And he's averaging 15.3 points per game. Now, we've always known that Rudy Gobert was the center of Utah's top-rated defense year in and year out consistent defensive player of the year candidate or winner. Now he's really kind of the center of the offense here. The gravity that he pulls within the rim, the efficiency with which he is finishing at the basket, it just makes everything else possible for Utah. The Jazz are rolling right now. I believe they've won eight straight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they have kind of left that lower, that, that kind of second tier in the Western Conference and have sort of elevated into that upper crust with Golden State and Phoenix. We've got to be talking about somebody on Utah. You look across that roster, Rudy Gobert is deserving as anybody. I've got him fifth. What do you think? I don't hate it at all. I mean, he'd be in my top seven or eight for sure. And look, there is a stat that you said in there that I, I don't think is going to get enough appreciation. He's shooting 74%. Not that at the rim. Everywhere. I mean, most of his shots are at the rim. But yeah, like, yeah. If anyone, if everyone could do that, they would. Like, that's ridiculous. Right. And Gobert led the league in shooting percentage last year at 67.5. He's 7.5% better than that this year. He's been unreal finishing this season. Career high in scoring number. Well, close to career high in scoring numbers because of that. Leading the league in rebounds per game. Obviously, an unbelievable rim protector. I mean, it's the same discussion every year, but this year he's even better than last year when he was in this discussion right. for a brief moment as well. Like, he totally and he can switch on the perimeter now. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe that's crazy at all. And, you know, it's unfortunate because I've always been a big Gobert guy that the Jazz have always flamed out in the playoffs. You know, the, the, the reputation is what it is for a reason. If they could just have one really solid playoff run, I think Rudy Gobert would get a lot more respect for how good he is. That's a good point. Gobert's not going to win it, obviously. First of all, centers don't really win it anymore. Uh, and he's averaging 15 points per game, which is not a lot. Uh, so I understand all of that. You said you would have him like 7th or 8th, so you would obviously have somebody a little bit higher. Who would you have in, in you know, Yeah, my fifth my fifth, my fifth, guy, my fifth guy is Chris Paul. I think I talked okay. about this with, with you a little bit earlier, just about, first of all, leading the league in assists by a lot. Uh, you know, that that's an impressive thing. His scoring's down a little bit and general efficiency's down a little bit, but still just an unbelievable leader of team offensively, still an unbelievable defender, even at an incredibly small stature. And the Suns are amazing. Like, I think that's kind of where it all stops for me. And same with Gobert, why he's right there with Paul, because the Jazz are amazing too. Like you said, for part of your argument is someone on the Jazz deserves this, right? They've won eight in a row. They're in the top of the West. That's kind of how I feel with the Suns too, where they're so good that someone on that team has to be in that discussion. And Chris Paul has been, to me at least, far and away their best player and well-deserving to be in this discussion, well-deserving because he runs their offense to a degree that no one else in the NBA is doing. Especially with Devin Booker sort of managing that hamstring injury, too. He's been out for a while. Uh, My number four uh, MVP guy, Nikola Jokic. Now, I think Nuggets fans are going to be like, what? Only number four? He should be number one, all this stuff. And I get it. It's fine. I've got him at number four. It's Look, the Nuggets... Not a great record. 
it's much better when Nikola Jokic is playing. They lost what six straight when Jokic was injured, or something like five straight, something like that. Um, but and, and Zach Lowe put it really well on ESPN earlier on Thursday, where he said basically, when Jokic is playing, Denver has like the best net rating in the NBA. They're by far the best team when Jokic is on the floor. Take Jokic off the court for Denver with all their injuries that they're dealing with, of course, and they're the worst team in the NBA. And that's a really good argument for MVP, right? Best team when you're on the floor. If you're not on the floor. They're the worst team. That's a very valuable player. Um, I just can't do it. The Nuggets don't have a great record, and I just maybe I'm old school. I just can't put them higher than four. Yeah, and it's going to be the same kind of thing we run into with Gobert, where voter fatigue plus playoff success always ends up being part of this discussion, even though it's a part of a different season. It's the most tired discussion of all time, but it's going to be a factor in this. And look, he's been awesome, but he's also had a few games where he gets ejected or just has a stinker of a performance and doesn't lead the Nuggets in the way you want. And He's obviously amazing and one of the best five players in the NBA. And having him four does seem like a disservice. And I think Zach's favorite point, I'm kind of a mad dork as well. Like, pick whatever advanced stat you like. I don't care. Sort by that on whatever website you're on. Jokic is going to be number one. Guaranteed. I don't even – you don't have to tell me what the stat is. I know he's going to be number one. Like, he's been ridiculous. He has been the Nuggets this year. They go as he goes. So, it's weird to put him four because of all that. But I agree with you that there's just something kind of missing from the resume. And it might just be record, but it – I, I can't have higher than fourth yeah. either. Not number one in wins. How about that for an advanced stat? That was, <laughs> my, that was my attempt at doing the old school. That was my attempt at doing old school like Charles Barkley. Um, <laughs> all right. Number three, I've got Giannis. Um, everybody knows where this is going. But number three, I've got Giannis. Second points per game, six in rebounds per game, shooting 53% overall. Has the Bucks rolling right now. They don't do it without Giannis. The Bucks have also been dealing with a bunch of injuries. To, including to Giannis, not, you know, but Giannis is out there without Chris Middleton some nights, without a bunch of players, Brooke Lopez, everything that's happening with him, still hasn't played this year. Um, Giannis is number three. I mean, you just look at his numbers, man. He's just as dominant as he ever was. Yeah, another thing like Jokic where I'm like, man, I'm really about to have him three, like putting right. up those numbers and probably the best perimeter defender in basketball or close to it, one of the best perimeter mm-hmm. defenders in basketball in the regular season, which is what this award is given for, like, ridiculous player i mean the stuff about it's hard to talk about Giannis for me at this point because he's just so good and like unbelievable that everything's been said about him and he kind of adds like a little jumper here a new little move there that that adds to his game but the bucks are also a little better this year so when he does play he doesn't have to do quite as much so numbers are down a little bit minutes are down a little bit preventing those per game stats from keeping up with last year so absurdly good player i think if the bucks end up winning the east he might end up being my vote depends how that shakes Mm. out but having him third makes a lot of sense to me. He's just been absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. For the record, I think it, this is a four person race, but we usually just do five here on Fridays. So <laughs> whatever. Uh, if we did like six or seven here on Fridays, Bobby Portis is probably be like six or seven. I mean, at this point. So, uh, all right, here's where it gets a little funky. I'm breaking my own rules here, Tony. I, I couldn't, I couldn't come up with a one or a two. Oh, I have a one a and I have a one a, I just, they're completely tied. It's not even 1A, 1B. I hate that because the 1B is automatically in second place, so it's kind of a stupid thing to say if you have a 1A and a 1B. No, it's 1A and it's 1A. I've got Steph and Kevin Durant in a dead heat for number one in my MVP race right now. Steph is on pace uh, to break his own three-point record that he set the last time he won MVP. With I think he it was 402 threes in the 2015-16 season. I think he's on pace for like 405 or 8 or something like that this year. So he's on pace to break his own record. Um, he's on the team with the best record in the NBA tied with Phoenix. The Warriors are, but then you've got Kevin Durant who is the NBA leader in points per game. 
uh, just doing everything for a Brooklyn team that has a a, a ton of injuries. Uh, Kyrie Irving just going away from the team. All the adversity that they've been facing early on in the season, the protocols, everything that they're dealing with right now. Um, and he's putting up game performances like the one we talked about in the first segment. I can't, I can't convince myself which one I would, I would vote for at this point if I had a vote. And if it were happening right now, um, I think it's one a, it's one a with both of them. They both have a narrative argument too, because Kevin Durant, again, doing this, he's fully healthy. He's in Brooklyn. He was supposed to team up with Kyrie and James Harden, but those guys weren't available for most of the season or a lot of the season. Kevin Durant's doing this all by himself. Brooklyn, number one seed in the Eastern conference right now. And then with Steph, the Warriors are back, and then you have like this big narrative of, hey, he just passes Ray Allen, all-time leader in threes. This is the season for Steph to cement his place among the NBA hierarchy all-time. This is a legacy season for Steph that ought to be punctuated with an MVP trophy. I could go either way with this. With this. You stole all my talking points right at the end because with Durant, <laughs> a lot of the argument in my head beyond that he's Kevin Durant, he's amazing, is like, look how good the Nets are with – go back to our first segment – all these guys out. Look at the teammates he has, and they're first in the East. Like, best scorer in the league by a lot. Good defender. His resume is amazing. The Nets would be awful, awful without him, right? The Warriors have the best record in basketball. Steph Curry is one of the best scorers in the league, and they don't have Clay. And he's been leading an injured team to the best record in the Western Conference. We talked about Jokic and how we gave him demerits, the wrong word, but the first word that came in my head, we gave him a small demerit because the Nuggets are, whatever, barely above 500. The Warriors and Steph deserve a bump because they have the best record in the league for the same reason, right? So right. it's kind of tough, and, and it kind of depends on what you value the most, how you're going to separate them if you had to vote today. And we don't have to vote today, thankfully. But, you know, if you're the guy who says, okay, you know, it could end up that they're the best player on the best team in each conference, which is going to make it hard. But, you know, the, the Warriors have the better record, so I'd pick Steph. I'm sympathetic to that argument. If I just went with on-court play and kind of, ignored team record and off-court leadership, all that kind of stuff a little bit. I think I'd pick Durant because uh, I think he's been the better player. But I honestly am like you where I go, you know what? If you want to vote for one guy or the other, I don't really care. But the way I would probably vote for MVP myself, I think I'd pick Steph. Well, I'm glad you can make a decision today. I couldn't. <laughs> I re- I'm like, I'm going to pick Steph. Mm, no, it kind of feels like it's Durant. And then I'm like, I'm going to go with Durant. No, it still feels like You know like what usually Steph. happens to know. me, Wes, is whichever one I watched more recently is the one that I think deserves right. MVP. I Kevin watched Durant Katie tonight. tonight. I'm like, yeah, Kevin Durant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, that's a wrap for us. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on NBA wherever you listen to the podcast for 30 minutes of the NBA's top stories every day. You can find me over at Locked on Heat. Tony is over at Locked on Pacers. Thank you for making Locked on NBA your first listen every day. Now make your second listen. Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. It's free. It's available on all platforms. Have a great weekend, Tony.